When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to episode 105 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abu Al-Samad from Navigant Research. And I'm Rebecca Lindland from RebeccaDrives.com. And we're coming to you live from the New York Auto Show at the Jacob J. Javits Center. Uh, we're sitting in the sanctuary interior of a 2019 Lincoln Navigator um, to find a nice quiet place to talk <laughs> about some of the stuff we've been seeing here. Rebecca, what have you seen here? Well, I've seen a lot of really interesting vehicles in terms of emphasis on sedans, which is kind of funny, like some of the concept mm -hmm. cars. I We saw the Genesis Mint Coupe concept, which is a two-door urban electric vehicle, really designed kind of for people that live in cities around the world. Mm -hmm. And so that was a very elaborate to do that they did uh that kind of stood out in my mind uh, mercedes actually they unveiled several new suvs really dramatic designs in keeping with their design language that they've done uh over the last few years yeah they've got the new, the new gls really was right. the, the highlight in terms of a new product for them yep and um, big the big three row suv yes redesigned glc uh -huh. is also out as well uh, and then, of course, we saw the Lincoln Corsair that yep. you went to. So, yeah, the Corsair. Um, you know, kind of. Let's let's talk about that one. You know, since we're here on the Lincoln stand, um, you know, the Corsair is Lincoln's new entry level model. It replaces the MKC in the lineup, and um, like the the rest of Lincoln's recent introductions, it ditches the MK badging, mm -hmm. gets a real name. Now it's the Corsair. Uh, it it shares its basic platform architecture with the new escape that we saw a couple of weeks ago but it's really quite different because um they've made it both lower and wider than the escape it's uh it's four inches lower than the escape and two inches wider so it's got pretty similar interior volume but it's packaged very differently and you know talking to uh the designers uh david woodhouse is the director of design for lincoln and rob gelardi who was the design manager on the corsair uh, they, the, the goal really was to take the, the Lincoln design language that we've seen evolving from through the Navigator uh, and the Aviator that we saw at the LA Auto Show and, and bring that to a smaller vehicle. And you know, So you've got the, the Lincoln family DNA there, but it's not just a, an exact scaled-down replica of those vehicles. You know, each one has its own distinct flavor. The, this Navigator we're sitting in is a, a, little, a little more boxy, you know, the, the Aviator is longer, got more of a, a sweep, uh, you know, kind of, especially the downward rear uh, 
profile of it. And then the, the aviator, you know, has got uh, shorter, wider, um, you know, more sportier profile to it, you know, to appeal to both to a younger audience, but also uh, to empty nesters, which is another, um, you know, target market for this thing. So what, what do you think of the Corsair? I think the Corsair looks really, really nice. I, I like the design language a lot. I like the styling of it. I think the size of it's really appealing. You know, with more people living in cities, uh, there is more opportunity for luxury, for smaller luxury vehicles. And I think they've done a really nice job in it. Lincoln, I think just the interiors are beautiful. I mean, it's even just looking at the Navigator that we're sitting in, but the but the Corsair, they, they brought a lot of those same very elegant, simplistic design language to it. I am getting a little tired of piano black. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you that. I definitely agree with that. Uh, and, you know, but I think overall, I think they've done a really nice job with it. And, you know, I forgot to mention um, the other sedan that I saw was the Cadillac CT5. Yeah. And the sadly, the piano black reminded me of that. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I think that, that Lincoln has, I, I, as we talked about last week, I love the... I think they've done a really judicious job of rolling out these names and transitioning from that awkward MKTZXYZ kind of thing to names that people can relate to that are both heritage and at the same time modern, really. You know, and the navigator, of course really started that whole trend right. and well the navigator was the one lincoln model that always kept its name it never right. it never did adopt the mk branding it always it, it, from right, the time and, it launched 20 years ago and when they redesigned it mm -hmm. was that two summers ago i feel yeah. like two years ago i mean it was just stunning mm -hmm. and i think and and you're right sam they they never they never deviated from that similar to what cadillac has done with the escalade they yeah. haven't deviated from that either but I think that Lincoln has just done a, a masterful job of rolling these vehicles out. Yeah, and you know, looking at the the MKC, uh, you know, they've done some really interesting design details on there. Uh, for example, you, you know, like the Corsair. Uh, yes, <laughs> the Corsair. Too too many names. Um, the, the Corsair. They've they've done some really interesting design details on there. One of the things that that Rob Gillardi talked about in the in our briefing the other day. Was you know in, in looking at the design, he he referred to it to the the you know what we typically call the belt line as an anti wedge line, because if you if you look at a lot of modern vehicles, they you know they tend to sweep upwards towards mm -hmm. the rear, mm -hmm. and you know giving it kind of a wedge profile, and Lincoln has deliberately gone in the opposite direction, and you know the Aviator actually is a little even a little bit more extreme, but the, in general that belt line that usually sweeps upwards. Uh, is actually fairly horizontal on the Corsair and and on the uh, the Aviator, um, and it's 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 quite apparent when you look at it. You know, especially in contrast to the MKC, it, you know, it makes it look a little bit longer, a little uh, swoopier, and then you know the roof line kind of dips down a little bit towards the back, and there's more rake to the to the rear glass. Um, you know, and I, I think it, it gives it a really distinct look. Uh, you know, and kind of sets it apart, and then. You know, uh, one of the other things, you know, when you look at it in isolation, you know, and compare it to the, the escape that we saw, 
it, it might appear that that belt line is actually a little bit higher than mm-hmm. on the escape mm-hmm. but it turns out they because of the you know they, they've changed the proportions and lowered the roof a bit uh, it, the the greenhouse is a little bit shorter but the belt line is also lower in the Corsair than it was in the MKC so you ha- still have better outward visibility right. from it and then inside um, one of the the neat design touches they've done is because it's smaller they tried to emphasize horizontal lines in the dashboard to make it to create that visual impression of being wider and then the um you know the console you know this navigator we're sitting in has this big massive center console that really divides the two sides of the vehicle and in in the the corsair it's much lower the the main console is much lower down uh, so you have a more open feeling but then there's a center console with the climate control switches and everything that cantilevers out from the, the center of the dash and kind of floats above mm-hmm. the, the other console. And then, you know, there's a big, there's a storage bin underneath there. And when you close the lid on that, um, you know, a lot of modern cars, you know, you have the puddle lamps on the side that will project the logo down on the right, ground right. when you open the door. Uh, and the, the, the Corsair has that, but it also has a, another little one that projects the Lincoln Star logo onto that, the, uh. cu- the, the lid of the... Uh, of the, the storage bin. So just a lot of nice little detail touches. Right. So really looking forward to driving both this one and the Escape uh, later on this year. Yeah. Uh, they, they both go on sale later, later this fall. Right. They really don't look anything alike either. No. They're, they, I mean, you would, you would never guess that there's shared mechanical DNA under the, under the yeah, two. Yeah. They yeah. really don't look anything alike. Yeah. So some of the other things that we saw, the um, 2020 Nissan 370Z. The 50th, 50th anniversary. anniversary. Um, and then Audi has a 50th anniversary. Yeah, Audi uh, is celebrating their 50th anniversary in the U.S. Uh, market, and Nissan is celebrating their 50th anniversary of performance. So right. they, they have 50th anniversary versions of both the Z and the GTR, um, right. which are, are mainly just appearance packages. Uh, but they're, they're pretty cool. The, the Z is white with red trim, red stripes, uh, hearkening back to the, the early 70s um, uh, Datsun at that time, uh, race cars uh, that were run by uh, Peter Brock and and others, and you know there it was a quite a, an iconic livery, and that's what, that's what they've brought to the Z, and then the the uh, the GTR is a blue with a white stripe that runs over the top of the car, um, and just it looks fabulous. And who signed your poster? Uh, Mr. Peter Brock. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's a it's a poster of. Uh, Showing the the original first generation Z and the current 370Z. That's very cool. Yeah, um, and uh, for for Audi, um, I think what uh, what what did they have? Um, so their event is this evening. Yeah, so I believe, the, yeah, and I know I was trying to remember, but uh, Volkswagen is actually showing uh, the base camp edition of the Atlas. Yep. They're trying to get it approved. It's not 100% yet, it's, so it's more of a concept. Uh, but what they're doing with that, I, I had a roundtable with Scott Keogh, the president of Volkswagen North America. And, you know, in his mind, it's really about that adventure spirit that people are having, whether they're an urbanite or a suburbanite. You know, people still want that idea of, looking like they have a very active lifestyle even if they go camping maybe once once a year or not at all and so the atlas uh features custom body kit there's a lift kit there's a custom wheels all-terrain tires it's kind of like the nissan version Mm -hmm. um of the pathfinder 
that was it the Pathfinder it, or the Armada? I can't remember. I thought it was the the um. Well, they did. They, they've done Rock they've Creek. Done, oh Rock yeah, Rock Creek Pathfinder. Yes, that's yes, it. Yes, yes. So it's this idea of um, you know, it's interesting. It, it's this idea of of a, almost like a military type. And I bring that up because that's very much in fashion these days also wearing camo, wearing, you know, this, um, really sort of the, um, army Navy kind of look, the army Navy store, you know, where people mm-hmm. will go in and, and buy a, you know, a 20 year old army jacket cause they look really cool. And we're starting to see that same look come out in vehicles as well. The, the green, you know, that kind of hunter green look to it. And so, Volkswagen is trying to do this. They're they're looking at it as a concept right now, but you know, hopefully, being able to bring this uh, to market ideally um, fairly soon in, in the next I, year. I, ma- so. I imagine we'll probably see it because it, it's not it's not a real expensive thing to do. Right. Um, Why not? And, and and given you know the that there's a demand for that, you know, it's something that they can charge probably significantly more than it actually cost them to build. <laughs> so there's, you know, probably good margins on that. And, you know, and we've seen other manufacturers do similar things. You know, that was Honda's whole theme behind the passport, right. bringing back the passport. Uh, so, and, and of course, you know, Jeep is, you know, you know, it's still extremely popular and they sell a lot of the Trailhawk and Rubicon versions of the various Jeep models. So, you know, it's, uh, I think, I think that, that they would, they would be foolish not to do it. Yes. Um, but you know, sticking with Volkswagen for a minute, they also showed um, the the Tarak pickup, um, which oh, is that's right. Yes. Uh, you know, it's designed for the Brazilian market. Yes. Uh, it's based on the MQB platform, which is uh, you know used for the Golf and the Jetta and actually almost everything VW builds now, <laughs> including the Atlas. Uh, but you know, it's a it's a smaller pickup. It's it's a it's a compact pickup. You know, smaller than you know what we think of as today's midsize trucks like the Ranger and and uh, Chevy Colorado and so on, and Tacoma, um, and it's it's front wheel drive. Um, but it, you know, did did you get a chance to take a look at it? I haven't taken a look at it yet. I had to go right from that meeting to something okay. else, and so no, I haven't. So I, I did go over and take a look okay. at it this morning. It's actually quite interesting because even though it's it's smaller than what you typically um, you know what we you know what's what we're typically selling as midsize right. pickups in the U.S. market today. It's got some very interesting details, like. For example, the um, the bed, you know, it's a unibody, you know, like a like a Honda Ridgeline, but it, um, the bed is very deep. Yeah. Um, you know, so it it's, it would actually be you know quite practical for hauling stuff. You know, so even though you know length and width wise, it's it's not that huge. Um, you know, it, it's deep enough that you could probably put at least 10, 10 15 bags of mulch in the back of that right. thing. And then uh, it's also got, uh, if you remember back to the uh, the old Chevy Avalanche, mm-hmm. it had that mid-gate design. So it had a fold-down panel between the bed and the cabin. So you can fold down, uh, fold up the rear seats in this thing, because it, it's a crew cab, it's a right. four-seater, five-seater. Uh, you can fold up the rear seats, fold down this panel, and then extend the bed length That's you know, really out cool. to, I think it's about six feet long. Yeah. Uh, six, six, maybe, might even be eight feet. Uh, but it's, you know, you, you have, for longer objects, you, it, it actually makes it, very useful as a as a small truck right uh you know as opposed to something like you know if you think back to the late uh late 70s early 80s the old rabbit pickup that and of course you know, oh the uh the uh the dodge um was it a charger pickup i think um the Do- Do- chrysler built one built based off the omni 
Oh my gosh, that's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but you know those those were much smaller and really not very useful. Well, and and to what what Scott talked about looking at these concepts is again that focus on the idea that there's there's starting to be an acceptance for smaller pickup trucks from an urban standpoint and being able to have that pickup truck that you want without it being a gigantic city car that you can't park or that you get charged extra in a garage or something, but have the utility of that pickup so that when you go out for the weekends and you go away, that you have the utility of something like a pickup truck. So they are focused on filling in some of those white spaces that have traditionally been domestic uh, and saying, you know, our customer wants this. They're, they're starting to see that kind of hand raising going on from Volkswagen consumers saying, you know, I, I live in the city. I don't want a giant full-size SUV or, or pickup truck. And what, you know, what do you have for us? So he also mentioned that, you know, for those people that go off road, a lot of times a smaller pickup truck is more appealing because you can go to a base camp as it were, uh, you know, you can get places and do some light off-roading in it. So it's not going to be as, as fully off-road capable as something like the original Touareg was, but it is going to have some decent capabilities is what they're, they're looking at and thinking about. So, yeah. um, Audi is actually doing their, they have the all new, uh, 2019 Audi Q3 and the refreshed 2019 TTRS and the 2020 R8. So those were the three that they're, they're, they're looking at bringing to us yeah and and of course they've also got the uh, the e-tron quattro on the stand yes uh, in a very prominent yes. place and then an a7 also yeah a7 won the uh world luxury car of the year award yes. uh, this morning and ja actually jaguar was the big winner at the uh, world car of the year awards this year they they won three with the i-pace they won world car of the year world green car and world design of the year wow with the uh with the with the i-pace so uh they they took home a, a bunch of trophies today um, so let's see what else we have. Oh, um, Mazda, <laughs> they finally launched the CX-5 diesel. Um, and wow, the, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, you know, they originally announced plans to, uh, put a diesel engine in the Mazda six way back in 2012. Wow. And then in 2013, you know, they launched their, uh, um, sports car, uh, their endurance uh, racing program with a diesel powered, uh, prototype. Uh, that ran in 2013 and 14. It actually did quite well. Won some races uh, right. in the LMP2 class. Uh, and then um, they struggled to get the Mazda 6 diesel to market with you know, trying to meet emission standards. And, and then when uh, Dieselgate happened with Volkswagen, right. it got a lot tougher. And you know, then they announced the new CX-5 and said, oh, we're going to put the diesel in there instead. And that was in 2016. And now it's 2019, and you can finally actually order a CX-5 diesel. Do you, do you think there's demand for that in the States? I mean, maybe globally I can see that, but even then. I, I, I'm, I'm having I mean, a hard time with it. Um, you know, right now, for now at least, you can only get the diesel in the, the signature okay. all-wheel oh, so drive, highest, the highest right, trim highest level. Trim. Uh, so it's like $42,000. Oh, my God. We've had this discussion yes. about the price of the CX-5. Exactly, yeah. Come on. And so, I mean, it's, it comes fully loaded. Um, the, it you, you, do, you do get uh, a significant bump in towing capability. The gas engine CX-5 can only tow 2,000 pounds. Okay. You get 3,500-pound towing capability, which is still, I mean, for a compact uh, crossover, that's that's 
that's you know that's about best in class right now, but still, you know, if if you really need to to tow, right, you're probably gonna get something bigger. Yeah, I don't see too many people towing with a compact crossover. I know. I mean, really, what and and you want so much room when it comes to towing. You know, in terms in terms of security. So, yeah. what are you really towing? If maybe a, a couple a, of jet skis, right? That, I think that's about pounds? it. Yeah, thirty wow. thirty five hundred pounds. Yeah. So wow. Yeah, so that's. I, I think I think I don't think they're going to sell very many of them. You know, I think it's okay. We did it. Now, right, now right. quit complaining. <laughs> you know? It's here. You want it? Buy it. <laughs> you know, leave us alone. Wow. Um, so I just wanted to come back to Cadillac for a second. Yeah. Um, I had dinner last night with uh, Steve Carlisle, president of Cadillac globally, uh, and Deborah Wall, the new marketing director as well. And, you know, I think the CT5 is a very nice looking vehicle. It's, it's very nice looking. I continue to struggle with the interior of Cadillac. I just... They, they just, I feel like they're just, are not lacking. They're, they're lacking in refinement. There's a lacking, there's a lack of elegance. It was very, I found it to be very crowded. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's sad enough. I don't know. I just, I wanted to, I wanted there to be a simplicity to it that doesn't exist. It's probably because they have the, the extra volume knob. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, they, they did talk about the redundancy, yes, of the, of the volume. See, if they took out that second volume knob, <laughs> it would be perfect. Um, so, <laughs> you know, for, for years we've complained about, especially on Cadillacs, you know, with the, the touch controls for volume and climate controls. And, you know, we said, just give us back regular old knobs, you know. So it works so well, you know. There was no reason to change it. Uh, and, you know, uh, and we did that with, with other brands, with Honda in particular. And so now... Um, you know, they're bringing back volume knobs. And, of course, on the, the CT5, it actually, you know, we get two volume knobs that are about <laughs> uh, 10, 12 inches apart. One just below the, the screen that's on the dashboard. And then a second one that's down on the console in, in front, just ahead of the, the main rotary control knob. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I asked last week at the backgrounder on the CT5, I asked one of the interior design people, you know, so why, why the second control volume knob? And he said, well... You know, some customers like to have it up top. Some like to have it below. Uh, you know, we wanted to give them the, the option, give them the choice. You know, and plus you also still have the, the switches, the volume switches on the steering wheel. On the wheel. steering wheel. So you have three different ways to change it. Um, you know, frankly, I think, you know, that's, I, I'm, I'm all for, you know, providing people with choice. But sometimes, you know, I think as a designer, you have to make some decisions and do a little editing. Yeah, you know, or or as a writer, I, I mean, you know, you have to yeah. you have to pull a few words out. You know, <laughs> Sam wrote a two hundred and sixteen word review for my two hundred word website, <laughs> and I made him change it. <laughs> so, but you know, I compared the interior of the CT five with the Mercedes GLC, mm-hmm. which you know, while one is a sedan, obviously one is one is an SUV, but it's in some ways a similar customer. And they're just night and day. I mean, the the Mercedes steering wheel was incredibly simple, very quiet. And when I sat in the CT5, it didn't give me that feeling of a sanctuary. It didn't give me that feeling of of being relaxed, of luxury. It gave me a feeling of I don't even know what button to press. And it just... I was I was a little disappointed. I think 
the leather on the seats was nicer. The back seats were nicer. They had more form than and shape than others that I've seen. But I just I want I want Cadillac especially to just up their game a little bit when it comes to the interior. The other part is although I, granted, yes. I, I will say that it, it is much better executed than the XT6 was. Yes, it, they are the getting materials better. and finish. Right, it, they yeah. are getting and and I I saw the XT4 a few months ago. I hadn't seen it here yet, but that's another interior that I remember thinking, oh, it's just not really where I want it to be. The other side that that they're wrestling with, very honestly and and forthright, is the the marketing of Cadillac and and what does that look like and so it will be a story that I'll be following very closely to see what they do in the next couple of months I think that they're in full rebuilding mode and you're know, moving from here in New York moving back to uh, you know back to Detroit I think that was a such a good thing to do regroup I. Uh, you know, the the brand has been through a lot in the last few years and the product had been there, but the marketing wasn't. And so now hopefully they can get their you act get together. But yes. Yeah, I, spent, I spent some time earlier this afternoon talking with uh, Brandon Vivian, the brand manager, mm -hmm. and uh, Andrew Smith, the designer, um, talking about CT5 and, and Cadillac in general. Um, yeah, and, you know, the, the, the theme around the CT5 one of the big themes around the CT5 is the idea, you know, that there, there's a, a decent number of people out there, you know, even though everybody seems to be going for SUVs and crossovers, there there is a significant population of people that are SUV rejectors that just yes. don't want a yep. utility vehicle. For sure. And personally, I am one of them. Right. I, I don't want an SUV. I have no interest in one. Um, <laughs> you rebel, for, you. Except for those you know, rare occasions when I might actually, you know, want to, you know, like go on a camping trip or something. But... Um, for the most part, I am not interested in, in a higher riding vehicle like that. And so there, there, there is a population of those people. Um, and you know, that's who they're trying to appeal to, you know, and, and sedans have always been a key part of Cadillac mm. over the, you yes. know, over its history. And so they, they want to preserve that. And, and in China, you know, there's, there's, especially there's a, st a st still a significant population of people who want sedans. Absolutely. And what's interesting about the CT5 is you know one of the things they talked about they showed this this graph that shows the the you know the current cadillac lineup and the, and the where they're going with cadillac uh you know and they they show the the profiles of their current models you know relative to size and the the ct5 or the cts the existing cts the xts um and the ct6 there's a lot of overlap in terms mm -hmm. of size and you know configurations there and they want to they want to get rid of that um, and so, you know, the CT5 is actually shorter overall than the CTS, but it mm -hmm. does have more interior volume, more passenger space than the, the CTS did. And then later this year, we'll see the CT4, which is another sedan, which is even smaller than that. So um, the, the way they described it is, you know, the, the CT5, they see that actually as more... Um, right sizing of the ATS actually make, you know, an up, upsized ATS rather than a downsized CTS. Right. Uh, you know, because they still have the CT6 in the lineup for the foreseeable future anyway. Right. Um, and apparently in, in the China market, especially, you know, because one, one of the things in China is over the years, you know, a lot of customers, especially for premium vehicles in China, have preferred to be driven rather than right. to drive. And so 
most manufacturers have offered long wheelbase versions of sedans that they sell only in China for those customers. And, and, and Cadillac has, has been among those. You know, they've done long wheelbase versions of the STS and the CTS and, and even the ATS in China. Uh, but they're seeing now with a lot of the younger customers that they actually prefer to drive themselves. And so they have no plans to do a longer wheelbase version of CT5. They, they, they see CT5 as it is as being the right size for that customer. And then there will be an, uh, an ATS, you know, a CT4, which will be actually a little bit smaller than the ATS uh, today that'll be coming uh, within the next year. So it's, it's interesting. It is. Well, and one thing to, we always have to think about are these brands on a global basis. And China is the world's largest market. So it makes sense that they're mm -hmm. focusing on what's happening in China. But, you know, to your point of that younger people just want to drive themselves, as we touched on a couple of weeks ago when my nephew was driving a Buick, the, you know, the appeal of sedans is so interesting for a younger consumer who grew up in SUVs, who most likely learned how to drive in an SUV. And, you know, you can discover the joy of driving in a sedan very easily. And it's, it will be intriguing to watch as younger buyers come into the marketplace in droves and really start moving that needle as baby boomers retire. And, and you start to get this, this, more of a of a significant reshaping of who's in the marketplace to see what the role is of sedans and to see if that if it goes back to a 60 40 split as opposed to the 70 30 it's not it's today. not impossible it could certainly happen yeah and you know one of the advantages that manufacturers have now is with their flexible platforms that they're developing um, you know they're using they can use the same architecture to build sedans coupes utility vehicles and and you know even ford you know who you know last year made a big news by you know basically walking away from cars mm -hmm. in the u.s market they're still offering cars in in overseas markets and you know the same flexible architecture that underpins the escape and the corsair here is also used for the, the new focus that's sold overseas right um and and i think for the fiesta as well so it's um you know they if the market shifts back they could very easily shift back towards different sure. form factor vehicles speaking of young buyers <laughs> yeah the hyundai venue what do you what do you think i haven't that? seen it yet oh okay i know i got over to the stand and then i ran into some people and then i i so i i haven't seen it yet um oh it's cute yeah so it's it's oh. it, it's it's hyundai's <sighs> new entry-level crossover um and it's it's smaller than the Kona on the outside. Wow, that's um, small. It's, yeah, it's but you know you can you know you can. I sat in the back seat and I can fit in the back seat. Um, you know, well, I think we do have to keep we we do have to be careful because so as a for instance, I had a, an inquiry on my site about from somebody who said I want to get my daughter a small crossover she's learning how to drive but i don't want a subcompact because mm -hmm. it's too small then and so there's too small in terms of usability and packaging for, or for, for in his for mind safety. for safety okay that they were too small and so the idea that young people are going to want the smallest ones i don't know if that's entirely true as long as their parents are sort of calling the shots as they move out of the house then we could see the appeal but mm -hmm. that the the Hyundai Venue is adorable. I mean, it's very almost, it, the front of it looks very Volvo-like. 
Yeah, it does kind of have a, a little bit of the uh, Volvo XC40 look to it. Right. Uh, the one they're showing here on the stand, you know, has the, the two-tone, you know, the contrasting the white roof, roof color. I yeah. love that. Yeah, and so it's, uh, it, it's, it's quite a cute little vehicle. I think, you know, maybe to that, that point, uh, you know, about safety, uh, even though it's, it's a smaller vehicle, um, you know, Hyundai, as with the rest of their lineup, mm. is making a lot of driver assist features, active safety features, That's standard awesome. equipment. Yeah. Uh, so even huge. on the even on the most entry level models, you get forward collision uh, alert and automatic emergency braking available. Wow. Do you get rear traffic alert? Um, there, you know? it's that's available as an option, I think. Yeah. Um, that rear cross yeah. traffic alert, I find that is one of the most helpful driver assist features, and I wish that they would start adding that. On, I don't know what it takes to uh, do that. Like, is it more complex? Yeah, um, it's not that complex. It's actually um, so it's it's the, they use the same hardware for blind spot monitors and cross traffic alert, and it's usually it's two short range radar sensors uh, mounted in the rear bumper in the okay, rear in the, right. re, in the rear corners of the vehicle, one on each side. Uh, and so as you as you back out of a parking space, you know, especially if you're parked between. Say a, na a, nav a navigator and an Escalade. <laughs> you know you can't see what's coming down the exactly. aisle in the parking lot. But as you start to back out, those sensors can detect if there's either a pedestrian or another vehicle coming down the aisle, and they will give you an alert. And in some cases, the the venue doesn't do this, but in some cases, um, you also you it, they even are incorporating automatic braking. Right. So if there's somebody coming, it'll it'll if you don't hit the brakes, it'll brake for you. Right. Uh, in fact, I think the um, the Corsair has that available as an option. I just feel like that is something, and again, this, so this guy had reached out to me and, and that was one of the things that I thought was almost a requirement for a new driver in particular, but I just find it so incredibly helpful to, you know, because you can't see, it literally is, you know, blind. And so to be able to have that on vehicles, I just think that's one of the driver assist features that I find to be incredibly valuable. And so I, I would hope that they would start to expand and provide more and more of the, of the cross traffic, rear tra cross traffic alert on, on, especially on these types of vehicles where they might be smaller designed to appeal to a younger consumer and even an older consumer too. You know, it, it's, Nobody's good at backing up in yeah. my mind. Everybody encounters this blind spot, especially as SUVs become more and more ubiquitous. So I just think that rear cross traffic alert is something that's really, really appealing. And, and I'd love to see that on more vehicles. That's my little okay. soapbox. So sta staying uh, with the, yes, uh, with the Korean brands for a moment. Um, did you see the, um, the uh, Kia Habanero? Uh, no, I, I, I got the hot sauce. Okay. So the Habanero is a little concept and um talking to uh the folks from kia the what the, the concept that they're showing uh is all electric it's on an electric uh you know a uh, dedicated electric platform um and um it's you know similar in size to the current nero but because it's it's de a dedicated ev platform they've moved the wheels out to the corners so mm, you got minimal sure. overhangs maximize the interior space skateboard design skateboard design uh and uh, you know, on, on the concept, you know, they're talking about it having level five automated driving capabilities, which it, it won't, you know, for a long time. But um, talking to uh, to James Bell from from Hyundai, or from yes. Kia, the uh, communications director at Kia, he said this is very very close to the design of the next Nero, the next generation wow. Nero. Uh, so 
you know, for the, the overall shape and, and design of this thing um, um, is, is very close to the, to the design of, the, uh, of, the near, of, of what we're going to see probably uh, 2021 Nero, I think. Right. Uh, so probably sometime next year or, or maybe the year after. Well, I think they've absolutely killed it with those designs. Um, mm -hmm. I think the Hyundai Kona is, is just great looking. Kia Nero, I love that size of vehicle. Yeah. It's it's practical, fun, plenty of utility for those SUV rejectors. And in some ways, I think that this is also what Ford is envisioning with their cars. Uh -huh. Their quote-unquote, you know, their, their non-cars. But that size, that shape, that configuration, that level of utility. So it's, it's you know, the, I think the Koreans have just killed it in that in that segment. All right, let's hit one last one before we get kicked out of our sanctuary Yes, here. exactly. The Porsche Speedster. Oh, my gosh, Speedster. that is so gorgeous. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. And, you know, Porsche is, it's one of those brands that they can, you know, you know there's going to be buyers for it. Right, you know that there's Porsche collectors that are going to buy that thing, but I just think they just keep hitting it out of out of the park. They're so consistent and so true to their corporate values, to their design language, and I just, I it's just, it's just fabulous. And we're getting some really dirty looks from people here. Yeah. <laughs> from, from from one Lincoln product yes. representative. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, the 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 nine eleven Speedster is going to be a limited run, uh, end end of the line for the current generation nine eleven before they start building the new yes. ones, and um, I'm sure that they've already all been spoken. For. Yes, yes. So and uh, and just one thing on Porsche, the Porsche Cayenne Coupe is coming out also. Yeah. This is sort of a competitor to the X, the BMW X six. Their answer to that. Uh, coming out in a few months, they don't. They have one prototype that's in Shanghai, so it's not here today. But they're hoping to get some, at least some that we can see and touch and feel in the coming months. All right, and with that, we'll wrap up our discussion of the 2019 New York Auto Show. Thanks for joining me here in this uh, lovely Lincoln Navigator, Rebecca. Yes, nice and, to see you in person. <laughs> and, yeah, and we'll uh, talk to you again next time. Bye. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.